All right, so uh, this class is going to be dealing with uh, looking at uh, intellectualism and basically what the whole thought that we had when we started talking about this class is the fact whether you're in high school or you're in college, you're going in and dealing with people who have been educated, right? And because they've been educated, one of the things that I found over the years that comes along with the education tends to be an arrogance. And with that arrogance, what we tend to think is, is that we know uh, everything or we know better than God does. And it shows up in a lot of aspects in, in many people's lives. And you go into these classes where you get to deal with professors who a lot of times are uh, very anti-God and anti-religion and anti-Christ. And, and so they, they put pressure on us a lot of times to believe what they teach because they're intellectuals, because they're smart, because they're learned, because they've been educated. And so it's very easy to buy into this, this lie that they somehow know better or know more than what God does. And I, I think this is a very widespread issue, and we're going to get into how that shows up here in just a minute. But as I, as I started looking at this lesson and what we were trying to accomplish with this class and looking at the book of Daniel, uh, it actually ties in very, very well. Because what you see take place is uh, God's people are, you know, they're captured, they're taken into captivity, and they're brought into Babylon. In the very beginning, Mackie read part of it. You know, the very beginning of it, they look and they're like, okay, let's get all of the, who do they, they call in? Let's get the young, good-looking influencers of, the, of this group of people of the Israelites and let's pull them in and basically what we want to do is we want to retrain them. It says in uh, verse 3 of Daniel chapter 1, then the king ordered Aspenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. So he says, get all the smart, good-looking folk, basically, and the ones who have good family names. All right? Uh, he was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. Then the king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table, and they were to be trained for three years. And after that, they would enter the king's service. So he says, let's get all these young guys in here. Let's retrain them to believe and to think and to know all of the things that we know. And you get this sense of arrogance, like they, they have to be retrained. They have to be rebranded into something different than what they were. And these were God's people. And, you know, you go out onto a college campus, and whether you realize it or not, the goal of many of your professors, the goal of a lot of educational systems is to indoctrinate you. And you may look at that, and you may not believe that, and you may, you may think that it's not uh, maybe this dark, uh, you know, idea or plan that they have. But I'm telling you, I worked in higher education for six years. And I'm telling you very clearly that's something that we see. As, as I started looking at it, I started thinking about it, of some examples of it. Uh, there was a time whenever uh, Ben, who is the preacher on our church plant in the Interbelt, we were working at the university so we could go to school for free. So we're like, hey, we're going to take advantage of this. We're going to get degrees for nothing while we work for the university. So we decided that we were going to go and get our degrees, and we were going to try to go be a part of the psychology department. We were going to get our, master, our master's in counseling. We went and we talked to the head of that department who sat down with us and told Ben and I both that she would rather us not be in her program. And I was like, why would you not want us to be in, our, in this program? And, and ultimately what Ben and I were told is that 
the reason we shouldn't be in the counseling program is because our Christian faith would come at odds with what they taught and that they did not basically want us in the classes because they knew our stances on things and they knew what we thought about the Bible and what the Bible teaches about how to deal with our problems, our anxieties, our depressions, our fears, and it did not align with the world or their view of what they were being taught and they knew better than we did so they didn't want us in those classes. If you can't see the bias in that and you can't see that the world is saying, hey, we know better than you do, keep your Christianity, keep your gospel, keep your stuff out of our arena, then you're blind because that's literally what they told us. They didn't want us in the program. And as I, and I started looking down through other things, I thought I, we, at one point we booked John Clayton, who comes in and he does, if you've ever heard of John Clayton before, he is a, a, he believes in the creation story, but he also believes that the Bible and science are not at odds, that they actually work well together, and we've brought him in many times, so we brought him to Lindenwood. And the dean of the science department, who is now the, one of the head honchos at Lindenwood, she, she came in and she had a fit, called me into the president's office. I had to sit down with the president and talk to them about why even a Christian organization, why was a Christian organization allowed to bring this guy in who was going to teach about the Bible, even though he's a scientist and has been all of his life, even though he was an atheist before he researched the Bible, she threw a fit, was cussing, yelling, gritting her teeth at me. And to this day, if I see this woman on campus, she, she scowls at me the entire time. She, and, and there is a disdain and a hatred. And I've talked to other people at, at, the, at the school who are like, yeah, she, if you're a Christian, she wants nothing to do with you. And, and she hates it because she thinks that she knows better. She thinks that science is, is going to prove something of, that God doesn't exist. She thinks that her intellect... That was weird. <laughs> See, this just proves man's intellect is not as good as God. Um, you know, but you know, it's one of those things to where she she thinks that because she's so educated, she has all of the answers. But you know who one of the most miserable people I see walking across that campus is? Is her. Everybody I know who feels the same way. You know, I, I was thinking about the fact that. Even in our Christian colleges and universities now, even amongst uh, brotherhood preachers, they're, they're buying into this lie that somehow their intellect and what they think about what the Bible says is more important than what the Bible actually teaches. And so what we have is we have preachers in our brotherhood who are teaching the fact that the Old Testament isn't really real and that the miracles didn't, of Jesus didn't really happen the way that they did in our own brotherhood because they think because they've been educated, they're smarter than what God's word has to say. And so they're, they're buying into this intellectual lie that they're, they're that intelligent. And they're ignoring what God's word has to say. You know, philosophy departments are, are it's a classic thing for a philosophy department to believe that they know better than what God does. I can't tell you how many times I was in philosophy classes where what they were teaching was completely contradictory to what God would say. And we would go round and round and round and round. And they would do everything they could to try to make me look like an idiot because they were more learned than I was. That, come, that went all the way back to the Greek days, back to the Bible, right? They've been doing that for centuries. 
Because they think they're more intelligent. And you go sit in these classes and you'll sit in all kinds of different classes and people are going to espouse their knowledge to you and they're going to try to place it on a shelf somehow above God's word and above what God teaches. And sadly, so many times we buy into this lie that for some reason this person who has a master's or who has a doctorate know better than what God knows. And our faith is constantly under attack at universities. And you had better be prepared to go in and deal with this. You better go in with a faith. You better go in with some resolve, some commitment that says, look, I know what God says is true. Regardless of what anybody else tells me, what God says in his word is true. There are some things that I've looked at that, you know, a, a teacher will bring up. And I may not always have the answer for it. There were times where I would sit in my, I took human sexuality and reproduction at uh, Lewis and Clark Community College with a notoriously gay and just like, he's a wild child. His name's Pat Daly. And Pat, if you hear this, I love you, but man, you're crazy. Uh, (laughs) Pat and I were actually friends. Pat at one time uh, was a Christian. He walked away from God, went back to his lifestyle of atheism and homosexuality. And uh, I come into his class and I had known him since I was a little kid. And I sit down and as soon as I sit down, this grin comes over Pat's face and I knew. In the, that very moment, this is going to be a long class. This is going to be a long semester. And so he, you know, we go around class and Pat goes, hey, ladies and gentlemen, this is Carrie Cox. Points me out in the class and is like, Carrie and I are going to disagree a lot this year. And I was like, oh yeah, we are. And the rest of the semester, we bantered and we went back and forth. And, you know, he would make ridiculous arguments about what the Bible would say about human sexuality. And I would, you know, we would just, you know, and there were things I had answers for, but there are other times where I've looked and I said, and I've had to say to a professor, ask me a question, I don't know, but I know God's right. I don't know. I'm not sure how to answer that question right now. I'm going to study it, and I'll get back to you. And sometimes I'm going to study it out and find an answer. Other times I'm like, I don't know, but I know God's right. I know that that professor, I know that that dean, I know that that doctor, they don't know better than what God knows. The Babylonians didn't know better how for people to be what they needed to be than what God did. And so they brought them in, and they thought they were, going to, they were going to get in their heads. They were going to retrain them and teach them something more and better than they ever knew before. And what they didn't understand is that they already knew better than they did because they knew God. And so what you see take place is you see Daniel say, wait a minute. No, no, we're not doing this your way. My God's smarter than you are. Let, let's test this out. Let's see what works. Let's see who's smarter. Let's see who's more intellectual, you and the Babylonian king, or is it God? And ultimately, we all know what happens, right? God is proven to be smarter than everyone else, just like in every case. Even you fast forward to the New Testament, one of the huge battles that you see go on is between John and the Gnostics. You see, like, there's this fight going on. The Gnostics were these guys who believed they had what, well, really what it basically boils down to is they believed they had a higher knowledge than, than anybody else had. They were smarter, brighter. They, they had something intellectual that no one else knew, and that made them somehow better. And so it put them at odds. Even there were Christian Gnostics, and they were at odds with the gospel, and they were at odds with the apostles. And you see them getting in arguments and fights. As a matter of fact, there was a time, historically speaking, that a Gnostic came in to a bathhouse where John was. They got up and left, and he told all the Christians that were there they should get up and leave before the bathhouse crumbled down on top of them. And so... You know, when you look at this, these, these people had this, they thought they had this higher knowledge. You understand at universities what you're a part of, right? You're a part of the higher education system. And they think they know better than God and, and they don't. 
And you need, to, you need to go into this fall, you need to go into all of your classes with the understanding, listen, I may not come up with every single answer that is raised in this class, but I know God's right regardless. And we're going we're gonna to kind of walk down through what that looks like out of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 18. And you got Paul talking to the Corinthian church, and this is what it says. It says, the message about the cross is nonsense to those who are being destroyed, but it is God's power to us who are being saved. Scripture says, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and I will reject the intelligence of intelligent people. Where is the wise person? Where is the scholar? Where is the persuasive speaker of our time? Hasn't God turned the wisdom of the world into nonsense? The world with its wisdom was unable to recognize God in terms of his own wisdom. So God decided to use the nonsense of the good news or the gospel we speak to save those who believe. Jews ask for miraculous signs, and Greeks look for wisdom. But our message is that Christ was crucified. And this offends Jewish people and makes no sense to people who are not Jewish. But, those, uh, but to those Jews and Greeks who are called, he is Christ. God's power and God's wisdom. God's nonsense is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. We're going to stop there for now. There's, there are some things that we need that we need to look at in, in that passage and understand and understand about God's wisdom versus human intellect. And one of the first things you have to understand is there are two types of people in the world. You know, when he starts out this passage, he, he says, look, there are two different kinds of people. There are believers and there are unbelievers. On one hand, those who are perishing, when he says, you know, there are those who are perishing, those are the unbelievers. And what they do is they live according to human wisdom. And, and what they, because of that, they conclude wrongly, I might say, that the word, of the, the word of God and the cross and what God teaches us is foolishness. They don't get it. They don't believe it. They don't understand it. So when they look at what you and I believe, whether it be about creation, whether it be about, you know, how we should handle ourselves in public life, whether it be about the cross and salvation and grace and all these things, human intellect looks at that and they're like, you guys are stupid because they don't believe it. They don't understand it. And they think we are morons. I can't tell you how many times I've had professors look at me like I was just this imbecile sitting in their class and they don't get it all. And Paul starts saying, look, there are two types of people. There are, there are believers. There are those people who are perishing and they live according to women or to, to worldly wisdom. And they, they live according to human intellect and they think that we're foolish. On the other hand, the Holy Spirit changes the perspective of people who are in a right relationship with God, people who believe the gospel, people like you and I. He says, listen, I've given you a new view, a new perspective on things. And those, are the, those of us who receive the word of God understand the cross. And we understand that the cross is not foolishness. The word of God is not foolishness, but it's the power that is able to bring us from, from death to salvation. And so don't expect to go out into the world, especially onto an educated college campus. Don't expect to go to your professors and for them somehow to get it because they aren't believers. They are not going to understand the word of God the way that you and I do. They are not able to sit down and look at it and say, yeah, there might be, I might have some unanswered questions because they think they have all the answers to all the questions, even though they don't. You know, it's funny to me that whenever you look at, uh, even when you look into your science books, right? When you look in a science book and it speaks of, the, of evolution, 
What does it say evolution is in your books? It's a theory, right? Is evolution taught as a theory in any of your college classes? No, it's taught as fact, right? Because they have the answers or so they think. But if you would actually sit down and have the opportunity to look at all of the facts and you look at what science actually says about evolution and all the gaps and all the holes, you would look at it and you'd be like, okay, this is not an answer. This is not all the facts that I'm being given. But because they, they present it like they have all the answers and they look at Christians like we're stupid because we believe we were created by a God, it's easy for us to start feeling dumb and starting having doubts about what we believe. It's easy for us to buy into the lie that they know better than what God does. And to be quite honest, if somehow they proved evolution was true, I would still be able to look and say, God did it. <laughs> like, for me, I'm like, for me, it's not this huge faith issue like it is for some people. But I just, you need to understand, the world is going to present things to you as fact and as if they have all the answers when they don't. And they're going to look at the word of God because they don't believe in Jesus. They don't believe in, in the word of God. And they're going to look at you like you're dumb. Get used to it. I've, I've been on college campuses for 22 years, looked at that way, and I'm used to it now. Because I've, I understand I have a different comprehension of the world and of what, what the word of God says and about my life and about the way God works than they are going to have. And I've come to grips with that, and, and we all need to come to grips with the fact that there are two types of people out there. There are believers and there are unbelievers. And the unbelievers are going to look, and they're going to rely upon their education in order to find the answers to life. The sad thing is, is some of the most educated, most smart, most intelligent people I know are the dumbest, most miserable people I know. And they can be as brilliant as they want, and they can quote you all the books in the world, and they can, give you, they can throw out stats, and they can throw out numbers. But when I look at their life, and I look at the way they live, and I look at how miserable they are, I'm like, yeah, you don't get it. You don't have all the answers. Yeah, you're really smart, but you're kind of stupid too. Because you're missing out on, on the things that are really going to change your life. And so we've got to stop looking to unbelievers to find the answers for what we're going to find in life. See, it's nice to have that piece of paper, that degree, right? Because it gives you, it gives you some opportunities when it comes to jobs. But if you think that is going to be, you're going to find the answers in a university class that are going to change your life, you are, going, you are severely mistaken. Because that's not where you're going to find the answers to life, not in some intellectual, you're not going to find it in some book outside of the word of God. Two types of people, believers and unbelievers. Second thing I need to understand is that earthly intelligence and wisdom is going to be destroyed and made to look totally foolish. You know, over the years, uh, you think about some of the things that have been taught as fact, right? You look at some of the things that people will tell you and scientists and all these people have said, and they're like, this is a fact, this is the way it is. And then 25 years down the road when other research comes out, they have to go back and what do they have to do? They have to go, oh, no, 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 we were wrong about all that. This happens all the time when it comes to health, right? You can read an article yesterday about what you need to eat and how healthy it is. And you can read, you know, if you would have read articles 10 years ago about coffee, like Mackie was joking about the coffee, 10 years ago, you would have read articles about how bad coffee was for you and all that stuff. And now now, if you read articles about what, co- what they say about coffee, they're like, guzzle it down because it's awesome for you. It's great for your heart. It's great for you. You know, and you see all this stuff and you're like, what am I supposed to believe? Because see, the difference between 
the difference between God's wisdom and God's intellect and, and humans is, is humans' intellect tends to, in our wisdom and what we know, tends to do this, right? And it changes all the time, and we contradict ourselves all the time. And even when it comes to history and archaeology, what the world wants to do is they say, see, I told you, the Bible can't be true because they say that this people existed at this time, and there's no evidence about it. And then guess what happens 20 years down the road? Oops, archaeological dig, there it is. Nobody else ever knew it was there, but the Bible says it's there, and here it is. Now what do we do? Now we have to find another way to discredit the word and the wisdom of God. Because human wisdom is like this. God says, nope, mine's steady. It doesn't change. And I'll say what I've said since the very beginning, and eventually you're going to look and you're going to say, man, what humans were teaching, they look kind of stupid now, now that I can look at it over time and see what God has to say. I mean, psychology, all right? And, and this isn't to, I'm not trying to just beat up on psychologists and counselors and medicine, all right? I'm not. And if you know me well, you will know. I've got some in the room, so here we go. You, you guys know, you guys know I have, I have feelings about this stuff. But let me tell you something. We are the most medicated nation we've ever been in history, and more people go to counselors now than they ever had, and that counseling and that medicine is based off of human wisdom, and we are more depressed, more anxious, more messed up as a people than we've ever been. There are more, there are more syndromes and more issues and more spectrums than there's ever been. And we are more screwed up than ever, but we have more answers from the world and human intellect than we've ever had. So explain that to me. How is it that we can be so much more educated in all of these areas, but have more people going, getting pumped full of all kinds of medicines than we've ever had, and they're even more miserable than they were in the first place? It, it's crazy, right? Because we are basing things off of human intellect instead of looking to the word of God for the answers. You see, this lesson applies to every aspect of your life, whether you're thinking about, you know, classrooms and, and uh, you know, evolution and science and all these things, whether you're thinking about going to a class on religion where I sat down at Lindenwood and got my Christian ministry studies degree, which is worth a worthless piece of paper. But, you know, I, I got my I got it from I went there and I listened to a minister tell us that Jesus didn't come back from the dead and that he didn't do miracles. Whether it be you're thinking about human intellect and wisdom when it comes to the way that you feel, your addictions, your depression, your anxiety, all these things. If you're looking for human intellect to deal with the issues in your life, you're screwed. That's the truth. You want, you want to find the answers for your life to be different? We've got to start looking to God and his intelligence and his intellect and his wisdom because that's where the answers go. I've seen I can't tell you how many times over the years I've seen college students come into our ministry who are doped up on so much stuff and go into so many different kinds of counselors and they come into a relationship with God and they start looking for him and they start looking to him for the answers and they start actually applying God's wisdom and God's intellect to their lives and all of a sudden they come down and then parents are like, man, that was crazy, you know, like my kid's not on any medicines anymore and they're normal, adjusted doing well in their lives. And I'm not saying that's the answer for everybody right at this moment, right? So don't just go, if you're like on antipsychotics, don't go jumping off of them, all right? But, but what I am telling you, but what I am telling you is 
I can tell you, I could ask some of my students right now who are in this room or who are upstairs, I could say, how many of you guys used to be on antidepressants and you're not anymore? And you would be amazed at how many would say yes. Because that for so long, they were looking to the wisdom of the world. And when they started looking to the wisdom of God and started hearing what he was saying and actually applying it, that's a huge key, all right? The world's wisdom started looking awful foolish because they were like, I was miserable before God and I had all their answers and now I have God's answers and my life is so much different. See, and Daniel, you know, you look at it, it says, uh, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. I will reject the intelligence of intelligent people. Where is the wise person? Where is the scholar? Where is the persuasive speaker of our time? Hasn't God turned the wisdom of the world into nonsense? You know, think about where is that person out there who is teaching something outside of Christianity that's changing lives the way that Christianity is? The way that, way that becoming a disciple of Jesus, the way that that changes your life, where else do, you, else do you see that kind of change taking place? What scholar, what intellectual, what scientist is doing that? Is affecting personal change in people's lives the way that God does? Where is it? I, I challenge you to go look for it and find it. Because the world says it has lots of answers. But most of you here have looked to those answers already. And where did it land you? So when you go into your classes, you need to remember who had the right answers. Who, were, who was able to change your life? Was it a professor with a doctoral degree? Or was it God who everybody looks at and points at a college campus and laughs like he's some moron? See, we know where the answers lie. Paul, it's funny here because Paul's quoting Isaiah when he says this stuff. And the reason he's quoting Isaiah is because the Israelites have been down this road many times. They, they, had, they would stop listening to God. They thought they knew better to God than God. So then God would allow them to be enslaved. So they would be enslaved. And then they would buy into whatever baloney that, that, that country that had overtaken them was teaching. And they would buy into their, their doctrines. And they would buy into their gods and their philosophies and all these things. And eventually they would look and they would go, man, this isn't working. And then God would save them, and he would turn it around for them. You know, this happened with, the, with Babylon. It happened with Assyria. And God would come in. He would destroy the people. He would save them, and life would be so good for a while. You know, when they remembered what God had brought them out of, when they remembered how intelligent God was, how wise God was, they would come out of it, and their lives would be completely different until they forgot God again. And then it would crash, and then it would buy into some other things, and this, they would get stuck in this cycle. You know, the Bible is given to us, the Old Testament was given to us for our learning. It's so that we don't repeat the same stupid mistakes that God's people did in the Old Testament. To where we buy into something other than God's wisdom. Where we buy into a worldly intellect that does not have the answers. And then we're enslaved and, and we're trapped. And God says, listen, you need to look to me like my people did so that I can save you from this. Because earthly intellect and wisdom is going to be destroyed and it is going to be made to look really foolish. And we need to remember that. The next thing we have, to, we have to understand is that we battle intellectualism by teaching truth. God's truth. The only way, the only way that we are going to, to fight this battle of, of God's wisdom versus the world's. And we're actually going to be able to change things. And we're going to have to speak the truth even though our truth looks stupid to them. Because here's the thing that we, we've got to understand is truth does not change. See, 
what we're taught by human intellect, what we're taught in our philosophy classes and in all these classes at universities that we go to, what we're taught is that truth is this fluid thing. What, what my truth is, is my truth, and your truth is your truth, and your truth is your truth. And there's really no absolute truths at all. So anybody can believe whatever they want, and everybody's all good. But the problem with it is that that's just not true. There is a truth, and the only way that we are going to disprove human logic and human intelligence and human wisdom is by sticking to the one truth. And that truth is not different for me. It's not different for you. It's not different for you. The truth is the truth. It's God's truth. It's God's intellect. And when we veer off of that, that's when we get into trouble. But when we stick to that truth and we espouse it and we speak it and we preach the gospel, the truth, people are able to be changed. In 1 Corinthians one twenty one says this in, in, uh, in the passage. It says, the world with its wisdom was unable to recognize God in terms of his own wisdom. So God decided to use the nonsense of the gospel we speak to save those who believe. You know, there are some things that you, when you hear it, it just sounds so crazy. And the gospel is one of those things, right? When you, when you first hear about God and creation and about Jesus, and about the story of the gospel weaved throughout the Bible, and you hear that Jesus came here to die, to pay for your sins, and that he was buried, and that he raised from the dead, you look at that and you're like, that seems like complete and utter nonsense. That sounds like something I would read in a kid's fairy tale book. That's what it feels like when you hear that. But the fact of the matter is, it's truth. It's what happened. Whether or not other people believe that or not, but when you hear that, but then there's also part of that that you look at and you're like, But if that's true, it changes everything. If that's the case, if God really knows what he's doing here, that affords me to be able to change my life in ways that I never imagined. And those of you you who have believed that understand that now. And you understand that because someone spoke that truth to you when you thought they they were stupid. When they first showed you that, you're like, what? Get out of here. you got to be kidding me, right? And then you watch their life, and you watch what God was doing in them, and you watch what God was doing through them, and all of a sudden, God starts seeming a whole lot smarter because you're looking at your life and where it was headed, and you're looking at what God's done in their lives, and the diverging paths force you to come to this contradiction where you're at this contradiction where you have to make a decision. Okay, what is true is what the world says, and this is the life I was heading for, understanding the world's truth, and this is what God says is true. This is what his wisdom says. Which one do I want? And when you make that decision, you get on God's path, all of a sudden you're like, man, he is so smart. Those people are so dumb. I don't want to live that life. But the only way to battle that is by speaking it and living it in our own lives. The message says it, that same verse in this way. Since the, since the world, in all of its fancy wisdom, Never had a clue when it came to knowing God. God in his wisdom took delight in using what the world considered dumb, preaching of all things, to bring those who trust him into the way of salvation. You see, the way that we battle it is by speaking up. I, you know, I read a book recently by a brother who was talking about how we don't need to argue with our professors in class. We don't need to speak out about what they say because that's just inflammatory and there's no reason to do that. Now, as I read that book, I understand what he's saying in the sense of there are people who like, I think kind of like what Mackie was saying is we go, they go into it with this idea that they're going to go in and they're just going to like unload on their professor and make their professor look like an idiot, right? And so they're very just aggressive 
in the way that they do it. But also, I'm telling you, I couldn't sit in my class and sit there and listen to this guy teaching the fact that Jesus didn't do miracles and didn't raise from the dead, but somehow we can still be saved. That doesn't, that doesn't jive what the Bible teaches. You see, one of the ways that we, are, that we are called to be able to help people find the wisdom of God is we have to preach the truth of God. That's how they understand that he is much more intellectual than the professor is. You see, you can approach your professors in class when dealing with things that are anti, uh, anti-God or anti-Christianity or anti-the Word of God. You can handle yourself in a way in those classes to where other students look at you and they're able to see that God is so much smarter than their professor is in the way that you deal with that professor. But the way that, the way that people find the truth, the way they find that the, the, the intellect of God is higher than that of those educated professors is they've got to be able to hear the truth. You know, most, most college students have never opened the word of God for themselves. At least not in any kind of way that matters, right? They may have opened the Bible as a kid here and there, or, you know, they may have freaked out one time and been like, I need to read my Bible, right? But when it really comes to understanding how, how brilliant and wise and powerful God is, that he's at the top of the class, they've never looked into it that way. And and you are the opportunity for them to understand that God's intellect is higher than anybody else's by the way you handle yourself, by the way that you speak, by the way that you live, by the way that you are preaching the good news. See, I think sometimes, too, we've gotten away from this idea that we're supposed to be preaching the good news, that, we're, that you are ministers of reconciliation. You are ministers of the gospel, every single one of you. And part of the reason that the world thinks that God is so stupid is because Christians haven't been disciples and they haven't been doing what God has called them to do and being what he's called them to be. And people look at their lives and they're like, yeah, that doesn't work either. And so what we need is we need people who actually believe that God knows better, who actually live like God knows better, like God is smarter than them, that God is smarter than anyone in their lives. We need people like that who are willing to speak up and show the world something different than they had before. You know, the, the unbelievers in this passage are kind of broken into two different categories when you look at it. In verse 22, he says, Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom. You know, he says, listen, the, the world, they're looking for intellect in different ways. When it comes to the Jews, Jesus came here and they were like, we want this to be proven to us. Now, whether they realize this or not, yeah, they're asking God to show them some supernatural sign that he really is Jesus, you know, which, you know, you look and you're like, okay, maybe I can get that. But the problem is they're still basing it off on what, on what they understand. They think if Jesus does miracles and for some reason in their own minds, that proves that he is who he says he is. Well, he was who he said he was, whether or not he did miracles for them or not. And he actually did some miracles that they asked for, right? But the problem was with the Jews was that wasn't enough. They re- repeatedly requested signs from Jesus to prove that he was God. But the miracles that he did, they didn't satisfy them. And he wasn't doing it at their bidding. And so they got upset with him. And they reasoned that if he really was the true Messiah, he would sit there and provide every sign that they needed until they got the answer that they wanted. And they were basing it off what their understanding of who Jesus was, of the Messiah, who God was. They were basing that off of their own intellect, what they expected Jesus to be. 
And so they rejected him because it didn't match up with exactly what he said. Even though if they would have actually taken a little bit of time to look at the prophecies, it, it matched up with everything it said. But in their minds, they're looking, they're like, yeah, but this isn't what I thought it was going to be. This isn't what I expected. And whenever we start saying I, 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 I all the time, what we need to understand is we're basing things off of what we believe off of our intellect off of our wisdom off of our perspective not God's and we're going to miss it when we do that you know when it comes to the the Greeks they were looking for wisdom that's where our philosophy classes come from right they would sit around and talk about how smart they were with each other all day long you know and 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 you the the most frustrating class I've ever been I literally got up and walked out of my philosophy class and dropped it one year because, and I, and I, it was like my second time. I just couldn't do it anymore. I was like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever been in my life. I'm not going to sit here and do this for a whole semester. But you know, the Greeks, they were looking for wisdom. They were always trying to find, and the, and the problem is they look within themselves and, and the Greeks, they looked, they, they weren't, they weren't really demanding miracles as much to corroborate the gospel, but they were thinking more about the standards that they had set for what wisdom and philosophy and, and what life should look like. They were basing it off of the things they had already been taught. And so both the Jews and the Greeks were basing whether or not they were going to have faith in Jesus based off of human intellect. And that's not the way that it works. That's not what faith is, guys, at all. Faith is not going into your class, into your university, and having every answer to every question that is going to be posed to you. That's not what it's about. Is it good to be prepared? Yeah, as a matter of fact, the Bible tells us to be prepared to give an answer, right? But there are some things out there that you are never going to understand. Your professors are never going to be able to answer. You're not going to be able to fathom. And that's where you have to look and you say, okay, am I going to trust human intellect and what I feel or what I think? Or am I going to trust what God has to say? And you need to keep it in the back of your mind and understand that God's wisdom is going to make the world's wisdom look foolish. And it may not happen today, but it's going to happen tomorrow or the next day or the next day. And the reason I know that is because I've seen it happen in my lifetime several times. Just like two or three months ago, I was reading about an archaeological dig that was a huge deal because it was one of those things that historians and archaeologists have held, held on to that, that this people didn't exist at this time. And they did. And over and over again, whether it comes to science, you know, you, you, what, what's, a, what's hilarious to me is, you know, back in the day, they believed that we were flat earth, right? And we still have people who think now, who are trying to go back to that and say we, we are a flat earth, which is hilarious, right? We look at them and we're like, what is wrong with people? What is wrong with disciples whenever we keep buy, going back to the life we were at before? We keep buying into this, this intellectual lie that the world knows better or that we know better. Go ahead. If you want to go back to that, go be a flat earther. You should know better, though. You should know better. Because you've seen what God's intellect does. You've seen how much more high his wisdom is than man's. Why would we ever, why would we ever revert back to a way of thinking whenever we've seen what we've seen? How can we do that? You see, God's power is how people are saved. You know, if you, look, if you keep reading on, you know, down through those verses, it, I'm going to start in verse 26 where we stop. Brothers and sisters, consider what you were when God called you to be Christians. 
Not many of you were wise from a human point of view. You were not in powerful positions or in upper social classes. But God chose what the world considers nonsense to put the wise to shame. God chose what the world considers weak to put what is strong to shame. God chose what the world considers ordinary and what it despises and what it considers to be nothing in order to destroy what it considers to be something. And as a result, no one can brag in God's presence because you are partners with Christ Jesus because of God. Jesus has become our wisdom sent from God, our righteousness, our holiness, and our ransom for sin. And as scripture says, whoever brags must brag about, the, what, about what the Lord has done. And he says, man, think back to what you were. Earthly wisdom says you should be a bunch of losers who have no impact on anybody's life. Earthly wisdom says that the group of people that Jesus amassed would never amount to anything, yet they become the men who the Roman government says these people have turned the world upside down. Christianity is one of those things that was started, if you would have looked at it from a human intellect standpoint, you would have said this is never going to get off the ground. These people are never going to be able to do anything, but God knew better, and he knows what to work with. He says in this passage, look, human intellect says none of these people were of high standing. None of these people were, should have been able to do what they did, but God used them because he knows better. Who would think, you know, when I think about my dad getting up here and preaching, who would think that someone getting up and preaching and talking about their sexual abuse at the hands of their great-grandfather would be the thing that would help change people's lives? That's not, that's not worldly human intellect that would say that. What they would say is that you get up here and you tell your success story, and that's how you're going to inspire people. You don't get up here and flaunt your weaknesses and your flaws and all of your issues and all of your problems. That's not, that's not how you change the world, and God says, you want to bet? It is how you change the world. What you do is you get up there and you show what you were and you show what God's been able to do and you show that he knows better than the world does. He knows better than your professors. He knows better than your parents. He knows better than those preachers in our own brotherhood who are out there teaching now that you can't trust what the Bible has to say. He knows better than they do. And we've got to make some decisions about what we are going to believe, what we're going to buy into. That's where your faith is going to step in. There are plenty of reasons to believe in God beyond just faith. If you have struggles with your faith and you, and you go back and forth with your own intellect versus what the Bible has to say, find some resources. Go to doesgodexist.org. You email John Clayton any, any question about science that, that is keeping you from being able to have faith in God, you will get an answer within 24 hours. He's brilliant and he's fun. And you'll, you'll love talking to him. You know, there, there are lots of people out there who can help you with those questions. But ultimately, you've got to come to the decision that God knows better than I do. God knows better than the professor. God knows better than the parent. God knows better than the psychologist, than my counselor, than the social worker, than the teacher, than the preacher, than any of these things. God knows better. And when I look, for him, look to him and I understand how brilliant he is, everything else, all the wisdom of the world looks like stupidity. I believe that because I've seen it in action my whole life. You know, the, my life that I look back on, I shouldn't have the life I have having, the, having my parents have been through the things that my parents have been through. I can believe that God knows better because I've seen the way that it works out. And I've seen the way that it works out when people ignore him and do what they want to do and believe what they want to believe and they buy into the intellectual world. I've seen the difference in those two things. That's why I believe what I believe. That's why I know God's smarter. 
Now you got to decide what you believe about it. You got to decide where your life's going to head. And in, in deciding this, whether or not you're going to trust God's intellect or the world's, is going to determine where you end up in eternity, and it's going to de- end up, it's going to determine where you end up in life, and what your life's going to look like. So let's make some decisions that we're going to trust God above everything else. Let's pray. Father in heaven, uh, again, just want to thank you for knowing better than we do, God. Uh, it's so easy for us sometimes to buy into this, to the lie that we are, we're smarter, or we know better, or I know, what I, I know what's best for my life, God. You know, and you look at us and you just shake your head. And you point us back to your word and you're like, yeah, the Israelites believed that too. They thought they knew so much better. They thought they were so much smarter than me until they end up enslaved over and over and over again. God, and help us to be wise enough to look to you and know that, God, we can look at our own lives and see when we've relied on our own intellect or intellectualism or education, when we've relied on those things to find the answers for our life, God, that we've end up enslaved over and over and over again. God, we've been enslaved by sin. We've been enslaved by addiction. We've been enslaved by depression and anxiety and all these different things, God. But when we look to you, you offer freedom from all of those things. But we have to believe that you know better than we do. You know better than any man does, God. Help us to remember that you are so much more high above uh, what, what we are, God. We can-